Uh, yeah, this is Shawnee B, Remus Kid from BBC Radio 1 Extra, also Brockout Records. I'm born and bred um, just up the road, actually, from Brent. Um, I'm a White City resident, so I'm a Hammersmith and Fulham um, local resident. But my connection with Brent has been like a very long standing because my uncle um, lives by Church Road by the White Flats. So my experience of coming in and out of Brent has been like from my being a kid. My background is I've born and grown on White City Estate and um, went to Berlin Dane School. And I think that's where I found my love for music when I was around 13, 14 years of age because my brother had a sound system. So it was when I was at school that my first startings of loving music first kind of started, where I started to play at like school discos and all that kind of stuff. I was just really experimenting with, with music and experimenting with being a DJ. The kind of music that I played in my house when I was growing up was typical of any black, British, Caribbean youth. My mother is from Jamaica. My father is from Dominica. So I had a mix of Mighty Sparrow, Lord Kitchener, with John Holt, Bob Marley, Dennis Brown, and stuff like that. Probably when I got to around the age of 10, 11, I think was when I first started to look at music for myself rather than my mother's music. So I remember going to the market with my mum, Webster's Records or any of those record shops in Shepherd's Wish Market, and my mum buying like seven inch singles and all the rest of it. But there was a record shop that was across the road on Gold Oak Road that used to um, intrigue me so much because they used to have records hanging up in the windows and it didn't look like the records that my mum and them was buying. I remember first seeing um, Electro Hits 1 and Electro Hits 2 with people like um, African Bambara, Roxanne Shante, and those kind of um, tracks. Uh, that's how I first got into music. My first love of music was always hip-hop music. So I remember, I think my first record I bought was Dougie Fresh, The Show or it could have been New Edition, Candy Girl, or something around those kind of um, styles. So that was my first voyage into loving music and buying music and purchasing music for myself. Ooh, my favorite reggae track and why? That's a hard question. Because I've, I've been buying reggae as a DJ from you know, probably around 1988, 1989. I remember my first 7-inch single that I bought was probably Courtney Melody, Let Me Live My Life Alone. But reggae, it's funny because I was kind of introduced to reggae, obviously by my mother and my father, but then with the hip-hop songs that I used to hear, because I used to love Boogie Down Productions, Just Ice, and all these kind of eyes, and there used to be a lot of influence of reggae into their music. I think I'm just running around this question because it's so hard for me to answer. But one record that always comes out in my mind when I think about one of my loves of reggae would have to probably be Garnet Silk, and it would probably be um, Splashing Dashing, something like that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Very spiritual music. When you listen to him, you feel the emotion, and it's that raw essence of reggae. So probably that's one of my favorite reggae tunes. <laughs> Obviously, being the leading reggae dancer DJ in the UK, um, I listen to reggae and dancehall every day. It's my life. It's what I do. Funny enough, when I'm driving around my car, I don't usually listen to the radio. That's not how I listen to music. I like to just stumble across music. So I may be on social media and somebody's got a track in the background or somebody's promoting a track and you stumble across it. For me, that's the best way to stumble across records because 
you get a genuine nature of, wow, what is that? And for me, that is what it's all about. Like, when music hits me, I want to be like, I don't want to actually be looking for music. I want music to come and find me because for me, that's like the organic growth of music. But like once or twice a week, I have to sit down and go through my emails and go through my WhatsApp um, to find out all the new songs that people have sent over to me. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's a chore because I'm coming from the days of standing up in a record shop. Now, a record shop was the holy grail for me. A record shop was like my pilgrimage every week. My godson would ne- never ever go anywhere with me. Would never ever go anywhere with me if he heard me mention the word record shop. On a Thursday, every Thursday, you'd be able to find me in Dub Vendor in Labrador Grove. If there was a hit man that wanted to get me, if there was a girl that wanted to find out where I was, if somebody just wanted me, you know, on a Thursday, you could plot outside Dub Vendor. And for me, I miss those days because listening to music in a record shop is a totally different experience to listening to music while sitting down and behind a computer and giving judgment. Because I used to stand up in a record shop and be amongst 10, 15 notable DJs. And you would know that that record that you're listening to, there may be 10 copies of that. And you've got 15 people inside the shop. Do the maths. And you're a kid. You're a youngster at this time, so you ain't got no credibility, no status. Your voice ain't too loud. You ain't got no bass in your voice. So if nine other, ten other men put their hand up at one time for that record, you've lost out. So for me, I learned the art of listening to music and picking the right songs very quickly just because of that, because of the nature of where I used to listen to records. And as a youth, I've worked in record shops since I was 13, 14 that that's a community of people. Like, to get a message board or a chat group or anything like that or a WhatsApp group, there's nothing like standing up in a record shop and listening to music. That is the the holy grail for me, a record shop. Coming from a community in West London called White City, where I grew up amongst people that loved music, but there was no, like, there was no ownership of the music. I grew up around people like Louisa Mark. So and she's a queen of lovers rock. But it was like she was the only one that was doing it on White City Estate. So when you're a kid and you're like, I want to investigate and explore this music a little bit more, you look to the hotspots. Brixton is a hotspot. Dawson, Hackney is a hotspot. But anywhere that you know you've got large black communities, you know the music is going to be very forthright in those communities. Halston was the closest one to me. Brent was the closest thing to me. I used to go to Bell and Dane School, and my friends used to jump on a bus at 220 and go back to Harlem. It used to pain my heart because I wanted to be part of that community so badly because I know that that's where my heart and my passion was because you knew you had the rough cut bands from up there. You heard about the Jet Stars. You heard about the Hawkeyes. You heard about all the sound systems, the volcanoes. You heard about the artists. Gappy Ranks, you can talk about, you could talk about General Levy. Like, there's so many names that that is the heartbeat. As a West Londoner, Housing is the heartbeat of the music that I love. Rough cut band. Like, if you want to be in reggae and you're in West London, you have to go to North West London because that is what Housing and Brent contributed to the reggae 
in the UK. Um, the impact of sound systems and pirate radio in Brent was phenomenal. Um, I remember as a kid, even going back to the days of when I was playing hip-hop, um, you had Time Radio, I think it was, with Chris Nat on there. And then when I started to DJ, playing dancehall music and all the rest of it, Bushman, DJ P, their show was legendary back in the day. Um, so many great names. Robert Ranks comes from Harlston. So many great broadcasters. Gadiani, like the list goes on and on and on. And the contribution of radio, sitting in my little bedroom and tuning in to uh, a BFM, tuning in to a Time Radio, tuning in to a LWR, tuning in to a Unique FM, tuning in to a Roots or something like that. And even now, as a producer, I want to make sure that my records get played on those um, radio stations in the Brennan area. Massive, massive, massive contribution to the music, and it should never, ever be understated. And I have to say at this point, RIP going out to Rigo Wells, who um, with BFM, like, as a producer, even as a young DJ coming up, BFM was one of those radio stations that I would have frequented on a, reg a regular basis to be able to get my records played or even to do a mix on one of the shows on like Splacker Valley or Movie Star Johnny show or something like that. When it comes to sound systems, again, same kind of thing. So many names that have come from the um, from the area. UT General. I remember my brother, my brother went to um, Henry Compton School in Fulham. And I remember my brother coming back with tapes with UT General and all these kind of MCs that were on these big sounds from Harlson and big sounds to me because I was a kid at the time. I remember, I think it was Volcano or one of them came down to White City Estate where I'm born and bred and played Saxon. I remember hanging out of my bedroom window just to hear the sound systems. I was too young to go to Fatima um, at the time, but I wanted to be try to be part of it. And needless to say, when I was old enough to be able to go and start raving in Harlston, that's the place. And why I call myself an adopted son of Harlston is because that's where I made my name as a DJ and as a sound man, playing in the dreams, playing in Palm Beach, playing in BBMC, playing in those house parties. Like, for me, that is, if you can't cut your teeth as a DJ or a sound man in the streets of communities like Brent, then it doesn't even make sense because you, those, those, those people, they're going to be your hardest critics. So I always look back, even to this day in 2020, and I fly around the world DJing in different festivals, stadiums, and all kinds of things. I call it community service. So I've got to come back to Brent and do at least two parties or two dances or whatever every year in Brent. That's how much it means. Sound system culture in Brent, sound system culture worldwide, Dancehall culture worldwide is so important to the economy. And some people just don't see, they don't see it because sometimes you may not see the tax from it. The government may not see the tax from it. The government may not see the good from it because it's an in-the-streets music. So if you say sound system, let's start from the very, 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 very basics of it. You've got to build a sound system. There's engineers in the community that build amps preamps, speaker boxes, um, and put a whole sound together. So you're talking about electrical engineers. You're talking about cabinet makers. Um, you're talking about a whole host of industry right there. So now you've got a sound system built. You need to employ people to play that sound system. You're going to take people off of the streets. People have got a hobby doing something. 
it's so important to be busy because if your hands ain't busy, you may turn your hands to something different. So that within itself is a massive thing. Once the sound system is up and running, then you've got to bring it into a venue. Venues make money from sound systems coming inside there. This is a, 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 a revenue that people don't talk about. Artists make money from sound systems because sound systems have to have special dub plates and have to buy music and buy records. This in itself spins right back around and comes to the artist. Studios make money out of it. Now, just on the ground, literally, what you can see, hair shops, nail shops, barber shops, all of these people benefit because on a Saturday night when that sound system has to go out, all of this money comes back into the community because you want to look good, you want to feel good, you want to dress good. There is so many things that sound system does to contribute to the economy, but people don't see it. The reason why people don't see it is because they don't want to see it. You have to look at it for what it is. Sound system feeds a whole section of our community. The way reggae and dance or influences, I'm not a dancer for starters, so in, I, I've, it's made me try to dance. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Well, we love for rubber again. So, look at lovers rock our play, you know, so I'm going to have to get through it. <laughs> That's number one. Probably when the bogle and simple dances like that was out, I've been, I've been known to do the Panda River, Panda Banks on like big stages worldwide. But that's the beauty of the music. Once it gets to the fun element, the fun side of it, it's like we, we forget about all our troubles and you kind of just go away with the fairies and such. It's like it's party time. I think I was more influenced by the dressing of the dance or Jamaica culture. So to see me in a click suit back in the day, 100%. To see me in what they call a linen suit, like what Shabba ranks and then would have worn in like the 90s, 100%. I'm the most English of all English youths, but I, I was around a lot of Jamaican friends. So that was the way that you dressed. You wore ballets, you wore Vikings, you wear a travel fox, you wear a string vest, you have a bandana around your head. And... I don't think it just influenced me the way I dressed. I think it influenced the way the world dressed. When you look at jeans, for instance, I do believe that cut-up jeans, jeans with tears in them and all the rest of it, that's dancehall. Like, we were known for wearing cut-up jeans. That's so dancehall. Being flamboyant in one colour, that's dancehall. In equal measure, it is very hip-hop as well. But it's street dress culture. And to this very day, it still influences. Actually, to the point that I think that it's a very much of a negative influence right now, because I think that uh, there was a very typical way that Jamaicans on a whole used to dress. I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite like, I'm trying to find the word. <laughs> I'm shocked at the level of tight jeans and tight shirt and tight this and colourful, mismatched, like, where it's gone now, I'm not so much influenced by it. Where it used to be, 100% I'm influenced by it. But I suppose it, it's maybe a generational thing, and I am in my mid-40s right now, so looking like a, a pack of star, Starburst ain't the one for me. I think reggae music has always been a platform for protest and would always kind of direct where or look at what the community is talking about and talk about it in its own way. It is 
uh, social commentary music. It's the music of the people. And I think even if we look at the situation that we're in right now with corona, reggae and dancehall looks at it in a very serious light, but also pokes fun at it. And I think that's one of the beauties of this music that you can be so serious with it, but then so not serious about it at, at that time. But it is always going to be a voice of the public and a voice of definitely the youth, 100%. People always talk about violent lyrics in dance and all the rest of it. This is what a lot of these kids are seeing. If you go to the streets of Kingston, Jamaica, like in the garrisons, Trenchtown, Rima, Jungle, like I walk these streets, Maxfield Avenue, these places, it ain't nice. So when you hear them talk about certain things, you get it. You understand it. There's a balance in the music always because there's always songs about love, songs about struggles, songs about being bad mind, songs for the girls, and songs about hard life. And I think that that's the beauty of this mu music that it can talk about so many different topics and be very to the minute, to the point. Is it influential? The older I get, I do believe that we've got to be very responsible with the music. I, I think that we don't have the gatekeepers that we used to have. And because of social media, the gate is wide open. So controlling that rhetoric sometimes is very hard. So right now, you have something what they call the F song. And you put the K on the end of it, you'll work it out. And it seems to be no control over those kind of songs right now. And I just wish that there was a little bit more gatekeeping probably from the producers to kind of dictate and direct subject matters. But this music will always just talk what the people want to talk about at that time. The way I would like to see Brent's reggae heritage preserved is firstly in the manner that it's being done right now. I feel that a lot of reggae history needs to be documented in this kind of manner where it's up online and there for people to use for research purposes. Um, I, I would like, just knowing that this Brent 2020 is happening right now, I think it is a round of applause to Brent and a recognition to Brent to know that, yo, oh, you do realise that reggae has been a massive, massive, massive part of this community. And the people that have come from different places in the world have come here and continued that, 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 that history and that tradition of the music I think I would just like to see it as in the way it is now. You can't say reggae and don't say Harlston, don't say Northwest 10, in the same manner that you can't say reggae and dancehall and don't say Brixton. I just recently did a session with Budger Bannon in Jamaica, and when he started to perform one of his new singles called Stepper, which is a hardcore reggae dancehall vibe, the first thing he said was, we got bars then, Stonebridge likewise. That for me tells you all that you need to know. That the biggest artist in this genre, when he thinks of England and he thinks of reggae and dancehall, the first place that he said was Arlston and Stonebridge. And the only other artist that he mentioned, and I haven't mentioned his name during this interview, is Chucky Star. And people like that are the heartbeat of reggae and dancehall in this community. Somebody like Chucky Star has gone worldwide and flown 
the flag for Northwest 10. So when you hear the biggest eyes in the game right now, Mojo Bantam said, big up Chucky Star, likewise. I think that shows you what Brent and reggae is to the world. 